Today in Agronomy on KFILAM AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. It's August 4th, 2021, and this is episode 78, Allie. Um, good to be back on the air. Um, you know, Allie, last week was kind of a, a fun week down that direction. Uh, we had our uh, executive enlist E3 grower day down at the, the Fillmore Central FFA site uh, in Harmony, Minnesota. I had a lot of growers come through. I think we had a really good crowd that morning, you know, 60, 65 growers come through and spend some time with us, uh, kind of taking a look at what we had going on there and uh, kind of talking about the Enlist E3 system and seeing some of the, the herbicide options in action there. And just curious, Allie, you know, what were maybe some of your big takeaways about um, uh, the couple of days we were there? Yeah, so it's always nice to be in field and actually see a system in work. And that's exactly what we were doing with the Enlist system last week. I think my biggest takeaway is just as we continue to, to take these conversations to another level with all of you folks in the field, just all the reminders on the flexibility that Enlist allows us versus other, you know, trait packages or systems. It's just something that really keeps coming back to the top of my head, especially as you look at in this particular plot, we were showcasing um, some applications at different weed heights, um, different timings between you know, blocks that had a pre-down, those that did not. And it just felt like consistently kept coming back to that timing piece. I think another thing around Enlist too, it's just that flexibility and application, you know, with soybeans not being a susceptible crop. That was another one of those big key things that really stuck into my mind of, yeah, you know, that's a really nice, nice piece about the Enlist system. What were kind of those those things that really come to the top of your, your mind as you power rank that? Yeah, I had a lot of feedback from the session, and uh, I think one of the big things um, from some of our our producers was, you know, wow, what a great system, you know, really great flexibility, good weed control, uh, using the the 2,4-D on the enlist one side of things, and, and just a lot, just stress-free. I think that was probably you know, one of the big things, and you pair all that together, it just really got everybody excited about that, and the site wasn't just about enlist. We also talked a lot about um, you know, using the right amount of water, you know, using enough carrier and in the right nozzles and also understanding the weed heights and the value of a pre and layered residual. And just, uh, yeah, in some ways it was just really educational and in some of it, you know, nothing new. Some of it's kind of, um, you know, stuff we've known for a long time, but maybe we moved away from, um, you know, you know, always spraying 15, 20 gallons per acre of water and moved to some lower volumes. And I think a lot of it was a good reminder as, as we look at, you know, there's not a silver bullet to control them, you know, water hand with some of these stuff weeds, we're gonna have to use everything we can. And you know, on the flip side, we also just need to make a few small adjustments, um, you know, just try to do a better job across the board. But um, yeah, overall, uh, really good stuff. And the other thing, Elliot, that site is there. It's all labeled, it's signed. It's just south of Harmony on 139. You'll see the sign about a mile south of town on the, the east side of the road there. Um, yeah, if you're driving by there, don't be afraid to swing in there and just walk through it. Um, you can kind of give yourself a self-guided tour or reach out to your local Pioneer sales reps or, or one of us, and we'd be glad to meet you down there and walk you through that as well. But uh, great site, and uh, it'll be there. You'll probably all sign up for another month or so, and uh, if you get down there, feel free to swing in and take a look at it. Yeah, please reach out. We'd be happy to entertain, you know, any VIP-type tours that, that fit into your schedule. But let's stick with soybeans here, Josh. I think, you know, for starters, just where are we stage-wise in beans, obviously we're, we're easily R4 across the area. So you have three quarters inch of a pod on one of the four uppermost, but I think we're pushing R5 or RR5 in a lot of cases. So that means you have that beginning seed, just a small kind of eighth of an inch seed um, in the pod on those upper nodes. Um, so we really have, have pushed through those reproductive stages quite rapidly in soybeans would be my take. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, we're, we're sitting in a great spot. Uh, the beans, you know, got to flower really early this year, just from the early planting dates. I think we started seeing flowers, you know, maybe around June 20th, if not, maybe just a little before that, depending on, on some planting dates. And um, yeah, I, I think in, in general, I think we're R5 kind of across the board. There might be even, you know, some stuff that's R4, some stuff that's knocking on the door of R6, but I think R5 kind of covers it. But yeah, sitting in a good stage, not um, a lot going on the bean crop right now, Allie. We're kind of, for the most part, done as much as we can do. Fungicide applications are done. We've been scouting for bugs. Uh, aphid pressure, Allie, been really low, but it seems like, um, you know, Japanese beetle and maybe a few spider mites as you get further west to north where it's drier might be the, the two pests that we see the most activity of out of right now. Yeah, we kind of talked about Japanese beetles a few weeks back, but I do think they have ramped up even more since then. So just as a reminder, if you are out and you're seeing a lot of feeding on that that leaf tissue, if you're seeing 20% defoliation, that's going to be be the point where you need to pull the trigger on an insecticide application. And then just a reminder with, with um, spider mites, I think you know we continue to talk about those too. And you just look at this hot, dry I would imagine we're going to see some of those pockets continue to pop up um, and just be conscious of what insecticide you're using. And also know that, you know, when we start thinking about adding a, an insecticide to, to spider mites, that can kind of flare up those populations sometimes. So be prepared of, of what that step process could look like in terms of control of spider mites if those do come into play. Yeah. And, um, you know, insect wise, we'll probably need to keep scouting. I think, Allie, for at least another 12, 14, 15 days ish, and then we'll maybe reevaluate. But uh, you know, not a lot of activity, but we got to keep scouting for them and uh, just make sure we, we cover all our bases there. Uh, Disease-wise, uh, August always think about white mold alley. Um, ran into a couple isolated cases of some white mold. I can't really say it's it's catastrophic cold red white mold. In some cases, it's maybe in some pockets where we wouldn't anticipate. Welcome back, listeners. So Josh, in segment one, we talked about what we were seeing on the soybean side of things. So we let soybeans take a lead for once. But as we move into segment two here, I think we'll just start with staging-wise where we're sitting in this corn crop. And then just other common questions we've had from the fields, things we're, we're observing uh, that we'll talk through for the rest of this segment. But for starters, Josh, if we start at start with where we are GDU-wise and how that, that correlates to corn stage, I think we'll we'll start there. Yeah, we're we're cooking right along here. Um, I, I was just running the data here for Preston, uh, but and this will be very similar for most of Southeast Minnesota, but uh, they were sitting uh, for, as of today at 1746. That's from an April 20th uh, planning date. That's 157 above the average, so pretty good accumulation in the last couple of weeks. You know, we got a pretty good um, forecast coming here for heat two. If I just fast forward and take a look at the forecast, uh, that'll put us at 2086 in 14 days. So that's a kind of a milestone number uh, getting there by the middle of August. And from that standpoint, we'll be on the home stretch. Um, you can't really don't want to predict the weather um, after 14 days out. But, um, you know, you look at that trajectory on a 100 day hybrid planted then you know, getting to black layer, you know, by the 20th of September wouldn't be out of the realm if it stays on the, the, the pace. However, um, you know, that can change alley, but uh, we'll just have to see, but certainly in a great spot. So that puts most of the crop around that R4 stage in the, in the dough stage. Um, I anticipate alley by the weekend or next week, we'll see some dents in the corn already, which is, is hard, kind of crazy to think about that. Um, but yeah, sitting in a great spot just based on planning date and, and where, we've had for GDUs. And um, I guess personally, I hope that continues. I'd like to get this crop uh, uh, kind of, you know, in this stage or get to black layer as quick as we can and uh, definitely taking advantage of some longer days here. And um, we'll see how it all shakes out. 
Yeah. And I think staging wise, just playing off of that a little bit, common question I've been getting is, you know, what did pollination look like for us? Um, I'd say as I walked fields, it appears that I think pollination went extremely well, you know, in terms of most fields that I've walked. Obviously, there's going to be those exceptions and maybe some later emerging or, or delayed plant type scenarios. But I think these next couple of weeks as we're assessing some of these plants, certainly we'll get a better feel for what that could look like. But, you know, one thing we've noticed, and you'll probably see this in potentially some of your fields too, of these ears, Josh, there's maybe, you know, some random kernels that we can tell were pollinated at a different day than, than some of the others are a little farther behind. You know, any maybe quick comments on that and, and then what that, that'll look like as we continue to progress through these stages. Yeah, I, I've pulled some ears that, that, show that exact description and, and I think it has to do with um, probably some really warm nights and, and warm mornings where you know a lot of corn you know pollinates in the morning and just depending on moisture and heat we might have seen a few kernels pollinate a day or so different. Um, something if you look hard enough you'll see that every year it's probably more prominent in that just after that blister stage and then as the, the crop gets to R4 uh, um, it just gets really, you don't hardly notice it. Those gaps kind of fill in, but if you walk enough fields and pull enough ears, you, you might've noticed that. Uh, not going to be a, a big concern. And um, and thinking about that too, the kernel counts in, in rows and in rows around sure look good. I know some people are concerned about how hot and dry we were kind of in that V5 to V7 stage when that's determined. And I really don't think that that probably really played a factor at all of how that's going to shake out. But um you know, um, a lot of promise out there. Um, obviously, moisture probably going to be um, the big thing, Allie, as we move forward. And right now, we're kind of sitting on a an east-west divide of moisture and kind of a, a north-south line here uh, across the listing area. And, um, you know, depending on what the weather does here the next two weeks, it, it could be, we could see some big swings in a very tight geography, potentially. Yeah, I think as you look at east of 52, just in my mind, how I'm segmenting it, you guys have just caught not big rains, but just these little rains coming through that are maybe progressing that far southeast corner along just a touch better as you get west of 52. If we don't catch some rain here, I would expect as we get to the end of this week to, to start seeing some fields firing, especially maybe some soybeans on some sandy knobs. So we'll report back on that, but certainly we'll see what this weather is going to do. We can't control it, but we'll we'll keep our observations in check. Another thing, Josh, you know, outside of weather, disease always at you know, a lot of questions around what are we seeing for disease? Um, have heard of a few reports of potentially tar spot in your corner of the world? Yeah, um, got, got some picture that I positively ID just off a photo down my Caledonia today of some tar, tar spots starting to show up. Um, you know, there's been a couple of the reports. I haven't ran into any firsthand. Um, however, now that I've got a couple of reports, I, I'm guessing the more we start walking, we'll, we'll probably start to see it. Um, you know, when you look at conditions, Allie, you know, we talked about we've had some moisture east 52, west, we maybe missed it. Um, you know, that, that could play a factor where we could see a little bit more to the east and the west. Um, however, we just got to do some scouting and see. Um, you know, it's it's August 2nd, so that's, you know, it still has quite a bit of time. Last year, we really didn't start to see it till after Labor Day. And in some cases, it really blew up really fast, but late, probably too late to cause yield impact. Um, you know, if that were to repeat the cycle where we saw it, if it were to really ramp up, I guess it's something that could be something we'll have to maybe address as we get to middle of August. But, um, you know, be sure to be out there, they're scouting. And really, when you think of tar spot, just it looks just like we described it. It looks like someone took a paintbrush and flung tar on it. Uh, if you can't rub it off, it's likely tar spot. If you rub those specks and it kind of smudges, uh, then it's likely not tar spot. But it's a pretty, pretty, pretty easy disease ID once you've seen it once or twice. Yep. And as a reminder, so tar spot is reducing yield by reducing essentially your photosynthetic capacity, mm -hmm. which then 
prematures your leaf very quickly, which contributed to the negativity and yield. But yeah, so certainly important to get out there. We'll keep everyone reported on what we're seeing. As we come, come back to you in weeks from the field, we'll be sure to discuss what we're seeing in both corn and the soybean crop here in Southeast Minnesota. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, W-I-S-E, and at Josh Schaffner to submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060 